well, they, they use a metaphor of a tunnel to describe burnout. Um, and burnout happens um, when we get stuck in the tunnel. And it, it happens because we've got hundreds, maybe even thousands of uncompleted stress response cycles. And I found that really um, kind of fascinating. And I'm sure we'll explore what that actually means. Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. I'm pleased to say that this podcast is brought to you in association with Lodge Court, who are experts in HR support. Are you worrying about employee performance, absences and leave? Are you struggling with attracting and retaining the best talent for your business? I personally know the people at Lodge Court, and they can support you with every people issue you may face. So focus on what you do best and let LodgeCourt deliver your HR support as an extension of your business with a tailored, flexible monthly routine package that is right for you and your people. Please do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the lovely Sarah May, Mayo on the on the, on the show. I'm pronouncing your name incorrectly there, Sarah Mayo. Uh, good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning, Julian. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. No, it's good to have you. And you are the co-founder of Point Three Wellbeing, which is all about helping people stress less and smile more, which I, I love that strap behind. Absolutely brilliant. And you have a particular interest in mindset, movement, and mindfulness for managing mental as well as overall health and well-being. And we are going to be talking about a burnout today, and we're going to get a little bit personal about it. So but before we go there, Sarah, I'd love to know, what do you love about what you do? Oh, so many things, Julian. Um, I think in one word, it feels really nourishing. Um, And I'll expand on that a little bit. It's my favourite word of the moment. It feels, um, well, uh, it's so onomatopoeic, first and foremost. But yeah, we, uh, I've been reflecting on on this generally at the moment, because we're about to celebrate our fifth year of of running the business, of running point three. Well done, um, excellent. Thank you. So um, I, have, of course, have been reflecting on what it is that I love. And I think uh, we set up the business in in the first instance to bring a bit more balance into our own lives. And we will talk about burnout um, shortly. Um, but also not only to bring balance to our own lives, but also to help others bring balance into their lives because life is incredibly stressful. Um, you don't know what curveball is going to be thrown at you um, day to day. And that's hence the sort of the strap line, our mission, if you like, stress less and smile more. It is a balancing act because we're not here to demonize stress, not at all. You know, we really do uh, recognize the need to have um, the right amount of of stress, you know, and I can feel it at the moment, a little bit of adrenaline uh, being on the podcast um, and a bit of cortisol coursing through. And, And that is good in short doses because it helps us to focus um but we need to become a bit more stress aware because there is a tipping point and um that's why it's all about balance and and becoming a bit more aware and a bit more sort of accountable and that was our mission five years ago uh, to help people stress less and smile more and whilst the business has evolved um naturally um 
our mission hasn't. And it feels really rewarding, really nourishing, to use that word, to be helping ourselves, yes, but also to be helping others. And um, I get to do that with two people that I'm really fond of. You know, they were friends that I met um, at at a previous job and we're still friends to this day but we're also um you know colleagues and co-founders um together running a business so yeah we're excited um about what the next five years holds for us um and it's not always easy you know we talk about this this word balance it is it can be quite elusive and it is a balancing act and it's it's sometimes really hard and we sometimes have to remind ourselves and to pause and go, okay, look, we need to practice what we preach um, and check in with each other. And that's what's really nice about our team is that we are super supportive and we we, we have the same passion and, and mission. Yeah, and I, and I love your passion for it and it really does show. And, and that word nourish uh, i think it, there's so much in that and we could really just explore that in, in itself what that means and 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 that would help lots of people um but yeah i love that word nourish it's, yeah. it's so so i don't know just just so powerful um we are looking at burnout but, but why are we looking at burnout i mean I've looked at some data from uh, some sort of report from NeuroWorks and just some facts, which are, are pretty stark, really. Uh, that the majority of adults feel stressed every month. Um, one in five British workers feel stressed more days a month than they don't, uh, which I think is um, quite scary. And, and almost half of UK employees are close uh, to burnout. So, you know, these are realities of what, what's happening out there and, and people have done these surveys and people are sharing things. Um, before we get into it, how would you define burnout and perhaps burnout for you? Because it might mean different things to different people. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to make is that burnout is going to be experienced differently for, for people. It is a spectrum. Um, like uh, whilst burnout isn't recognized by the medical community um, as a diagnosis. It is considered a syndrome. The World Health Organization describe it as a syndrome. Um, so there is a scale, you know, mild to, to severe in terms of how a burnout might manifest for people. Um, I will give some of the official definitions. There are a number and then I'll kind of give my own sort of personal view or personal experience of it. Um, so the, the term burnout was was first coined in the 70s by Freudenberger, and um, he characterized sort of three key symptoms, as it were. The first was um, exhaustion, so mental, physical, emotional exhaustion. The second is um, deep personalization. And the third is a sort of a decreased sense of accomplishment in, in one's work. Um, and actually, it was used to describe uh, people in giving roles, helping roles. So if you think about kind of caring, you know, the, um, social workers, um, medical staff, that kind of thing. Um, but I think we can all recognize it now, um, those symptoms, uh, you know, it's, it's be- goes beyond just those those um, professions and actually it goes beyond the workplace too you know I think people can relate to it more and more the um, 
the best way of describing burnout or the one that I really relate to the most is um, some work from the Nagoski sisters. I don't know if you've come across them. Uh, they wrote a book called Burnout. I think it came out couple of years ago um Emily and Amelia um Nagoski and they describe burnout as um well they they use a metaphor of a tunnel to describe burnout um and burnout happens um when we get stuck in the tunnel and it it happens because we've got hundreds maybe even thousands of uncompleted stress response cycles and I found that really um kind of fascinating and I'm sure we'll explore what that actually means um in a in a moment but essentially burnout is when we get stuck in the tunnel you know uh, we all know that phrase you can't see the wood for the trees you know it's that sense of overwhelm and for me personally I, I think the ways I have mostly experienced it is through exhaustion whether that was sort of physical exhaustion um working in the events industry events and marketing often long hours over the weekend back-to-back events no time to sort of decompress you know moving from one event to another high profile high pressure so physical exhaustion that comes with that but also um in other cases you know often maybe the two combined sort of emotional exhaustion so um where and actually those three that i those three sort of characteristics that i meant I mentioned at the beginning um you know, that emotional exhaustion can lead to that sort of feeling of um, decreased sort of uh, sense of accomplishment. And I definitely felt that, you know, that there was at, at times where, you know, I just couldn't do enough. And I'm a bit of a, we say, recovering perfectionist. And I'm also a people pleaser. So add that on into the mix. And it's quite a concoction of of emotions going on, which can lead to that sort of exhaustion and just feeling like, oh, yeah, uh, empty, had enough, um, not sure where to go next. I like the, the having the metaphor as a, as a way of describing it, because I think, I think people, well, our bodies understand metaphors. Uh, there's, there's so much richness in a metaphor. I know we all interpret it slightly differently, but having that sense of the being in the middle of a tunnel, being stuck, um, not seeing the woods of the trees and that sense. Um, I've never experienced burnout myself personally uh, to that extent. I've, I've probably felt, I've probably been on the edge of it at times, uh, but I don't think I've been what I would deem as burnout uh, as what people describe, what, what you're describing there. Do you understand what is what is going on in our bodies and our brains when burnout happens? What, do you understand what, what the sort of psychological, the physiological things are happening when we sort of get to that place when burnout happens? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much, and I'm sure this will be sort of um, the many kind of um, something that they know a lot about, fight, flight, freeze. Um, so if I use the the tunnel metaphor to sort of guide us through that response. So um, when we enter the tunnel, so um, it's worth saying, and then I'll reference also the stress response cycle. So um, the stress response cycle has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, so the beginning, when we enter that tunnel, um, when the stress response cycle kind of starts, um, that's when we're presented with some kind of threat, um, some kind of danger, um, some kind of fear. We're not, we don't feel safe 
um, in our environment. You know, for our ancestors, that would have been coming face to face with the lion on the savannah. For us, fast forward many hundreds of thousands of years, um, you know, that's facing um, an overflowing inbox, a, an ever growing to do list, a challenging conversation with um, your boss or with a loved one. Um, you know, all, all those micro through to macro stresses. So, you know, there are many, aren't there, of those macro stresses at the moment. And the point actually um, to distinguish is the difference between a stressor and stress. So a stressor lands, that's the threat. That's when we enter the tunnel, when the stress response cycle begins. Then we move into the middle of the tunnel. And that's when the physiological things start to happen in the body. That's when we experience fight, flight, or freeze. So adrenaline, cortisol um, start to flood the body, our blood pressure rises, our heart rate rises to help pump blood and oxygen and glucose around the body to all the key um, organs. Um, you know, we tighten up, um, we're preparing to fight or, or flee the scene, escape that lion. Um, and in short bursts, you know, that can be life-saving first and foremost, but also can focus you in on a, a on a problem or a challenge. Um, but what also happens is, you know, we we lose that sort of peripheral kind of um, perspective. So we can't sort of be, mul- you know, working on multiple things at the same time. We, we lose that ability to be, to be creative. You know, we're, we're focused on the task at hand. Um, for our ancestors in that moment, fight or flight, you know, that's, that's behavioral, isn't it? Where that word, that term comes from. They would have either, you know, fought that lion um, and then escaped. So that process of fighting or flighting um, involves movement of the body. So they would complete the stress response cycle. They would get to the end of the tunnel, provided they escape the lion, of course. Um, and they that process in itself and movement is the most powerful way to complete the stress response cycle. Um, that that process ends you know they get to the light at the end of the tunnel they arrive home to their tribe their community and all those other you know cues of safety happen for us we get stuck in the tunnel because we fight or flight you know doesn't necessarily happen in the same way we might get a bit more perhaps aggressive um or we might withdraw from a situation but that neither of those require movement you know they are um sort of emotional responses um so if we don't consciously complete the stress response cycle we get stuck in the middle of the tunnel and that's when um you know chronic stress builds up over time and that's important point to make that burnout takes time to build you know it's 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 not something that happens immediately. Um, it's something that builds up over time. And then, you know, it can manifest in, you know, either um, something more, more kind of severe from a mental or physical illness perspective. So we need to consciously um, complete that stress response cycle. And there are lots of ways that we can can do that. But the point is that we have to consciously do that, bring thought to that that's really helpful i think people understand that better in terms of what's going on and i think that's that that movement piece which which is why i guess things like physical exercise movement getting outside and 
helps sort of complete that cycle a little bit. Um, from your own experience, um, what did you see as the sort of telltale signs that you were stuck in that tunnel and things were not happening and and and, and what happened personally? If you want to share a bit more about what, what was going on in terms of your behaviour and emotional mm. response to things at the time. Well, I think it's worth saying that I didn't know it at the time. It's only kind of knowing what I know now. So that's the first point is that often people are in this uh, place but they don't realize you know we, we kind of normalize feeling like that in a way um and I just want to make another point actually that I don't think I made clearly um about the difference between separating the stressor and the stress so they are two unique things so um the the stress response cycle only complete uh, it doesn't complete when the stress go, get, uh, the stressor goes only when we've flushed out the stress from the body hope that makes sense um so essentially we have more control over it than we might think in a way whilst we don't have a control over the stress or we have control over the stress so back to to me and my sort of personal experience I guess I, I experienced different types um I mentioned before sort of more physical exhaustion and um I when I look back to my career and it was super exciting and I got to do really incredible things and, and um, work with really talented people and uh, go to really exciting places in the world. And in the most part, I really thrived under that, but there were times when it just, you know, got so much that, you know, I almost sort of, I guess after all that, you know, living in that state, heightened state of fight or flight, you just physically feel like you've got nothing left to give. And that has a real impact on, on, on you. I mean, I was fortunate that from a health point of view, it didn't really go on to, to develop into anything more severe. It could, could very well have. Um, but I think it impacted kind of my, my relationships. Um, uh, my marriage um you know because I was I was so focused on on work um and you know if we think about stress burnout mental health they're the best way of knowing where you are at any point in time is is how are you thinking how are you feeling how are you behaving and you know with benefit of hindsight I know that I've probably you know wasn't you know showing up in the best possible way for myself or for those you know particularly my loved ones I think um those outside of the workplace because all my energy was going on work that was my priority so that's one thing um the other sort of you know uh, then I've I got to a point where I was like, okay, I can't do events anymore. You know, there's, I, I need to bring more routine into my life. I want to be at home. I want to, um, yeah, look after m myself more so that I can be in the best place to, to show up for, for those around me. Um, the other kind of way that burnout manifested for me was, um, through that sort of emotional exhaustion and sort of feeling like I wasn't achieving or um, adding value, no matter how much I did. And you know, 
the hours or the passion that I bought. And on reflection, you know, I, I, I feel that actually probably what was going on is that, you know, my environment, my work environment wasn't as supportive as it could be. And I think this is a real sort of lesson um, for leaders and for, for managers to, re- to realise the, the impact that we have on those around us. And it seems like a really obvious thing to say. But if we think about what the opposite of, of fight or flight is or the opposite of that fear or threat at the beginning of the tunnel, the opposite is safety. And if we can create a sort of a bubble of safety for people in the work then you know when things are challenging you've got an environment where people can openly share and openly discuss or feel like they can bring their whole selves uh, Mm. without that fear of fear there you go without fear of being discriminated against penalized um or, or challenged so yeah I had a couple of um instances in my career I mean you know only a couple you know quite a long career 20 years so I feel really lucky that in the most part you know I had really supportive encouraging uh, managers but there were two instances where I didn't feel so supported and I felt like I cared but I didn't feel like they cared back and I think it's a simple thing you know we can just all be a bit more caring a bit more kind and you try and put ourselves into the shoes of others and actually if I'm being true to what I'm saying here maybe you know they had things going on for them and uh, that meant that they weren't showing up in the best possible way so again you know it goes two ways but this is all with the benefit of hindsight knowing what I know now so those are sort of my my experiences Uh, and with that I mean people listening right now who may have a sense that they've been burnt out, they may even be in burnout, they may be sort of categorized themselves in that way. What would be, I suppose from a, an employee point of view, someone actually listening there who's employed, what sort of the telltale signs they might be experiencing and they think they could be stuck in that tunnel? And what are the, uh, from a manager's point of view, or a leader's point of view, what should we be looking out for in our teams and individuals and thinking this person has my expression of going over the edge or they seem stuck, what sort of things should we be watching for? Because it's, as you say, it is a two-way thing of, A, you know, we're accountable for ourselves, uh, which is important. It's not all about people watching over us, but actually as a leader, you're also accountable for other people as well. And I think it's important to watch out for people as well. So from those two perspectives, what A, what should we look out for personally and then other, from a leader's point of view, what should we be watching out in terms of people's behaviour, thinking actually they need some time out here or whatever help, support they might need? Yeah, I think it is being aware of, A, what are the typical symptoms of, of heightened stress? So how does that manifest for people physically? How does it manifest for people psychologically? How does it manifest for people behaviourally? And so A, being aware of almost your stress signature. We do an exercise um, which is getting people to identify their stress signature. So, you know, for example, if I share a few of mine, um, and by the way, it's not the best look, but uh, it's important to, to understand these things. Um, so from a physical point of view, you know, I get quite tight in my jaw 
um I get sort of tense um but I also really feel it in the tummy you know I feel that sense of sort of anxiety nerves in my tummy so that's um something we can be aware of tune into our bodies um we often feel emotions in our bodies um and we like to describe emotions as data you know what are the, what's that data telling you first and foremost and then psychologically how how does stress manifest you know and this is sort of heightened stress how does that manifest for you psychologically so you know the hallmark of that is is excessive worry um the hallmark of sort of heightened stress is excessive worry um so uh, you know you might uh, that might lead to kind of behavioral um tells like uh, you know are you kind of seeking more reassurance um is you know is someone that you're managing seeking more assurance um psychologically you can become a bit kind of confused perhaps difficult at making decisions um behaviorally you might um become a bit more withdrawn perhaps from a situation or a bit more kind of confrontational as well think fight or, or flight um behaviorally I get a bit sort of bossy and impatient <laughs> I know I did say it's not my best look um and um so being aware of how stress manifests and how it difference person to person is is the key so the first point is awareness in yourself how what is your personal stress signature how does that impact how you think feel and behave but then it's sharing it with the people that you work with so if you're a boss you can be looking out for those tells in your team and you need to have that sort of safe space that safe environment in order to feel able to kind of share which is you know quite vulnerable isn't it Mm. Um, so to be looking out for, for some of those key traits in the people that you look after. And when we spot something, when we spot somebody might be a bit with, more withdrawn or in your case, become a bit more bossier, um, uh, or whatever it may be that uh, slightly out of the normal consistent behavior, because that's what we're looking for. Is it something that's slightly, yeah. there's a little, there's a difference here, something's happening you know, what's the best way of approaching that 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 individual? What's the best way of dealing with that uh, without being a telling somebody who's their stress, which is not very helpful, I don't mm-hmm. think. <laughs> um, what what things should leaders be doing? And then, I guess, secondly, how can we, I suppose, help mitigate burnout within our workplace? And that's a massive thing in itself. I, mean, I said that's like a massive. Or a three-hour conversation, but um, what one thing would really help in an organisation to try and reduce the, the sort of impacts of people getting burnout? Mm. Okay, so the first um, point that you asked about what what can you do if you spot someone is struggling, perhaps in your team? Yeah, and you're right to say you know that the easiest way is uh, is to spot key differences in in the person's behaviour or attitude or or personality. Um, the, I mean, if you've created that environment where it's okay for people to talk openly, um, then, you know, that's the important starting point, actually, because then it's, it's not unusual for you to go, look, Julian, you know, I can see 
you you seem to be struggling of late. You've shared your personal stress signature with me. Um, you know, we've had this conversation, and I'm I'm kind of just uh, here to to say, you know, do you want to talk? Is there anything I, as your manager, can do to support you? Um, I think it obviously depends on your relationship, but um, to create that environment where it's okay to be having these conversations and checking in with each other regularly, um, getting to know each other more on a personal level so that it's okay um, to ask um, if someone is struggling because that's it's all part of breaking down the stigma. You know, there is still so much stigma around stress um, or people don't want to be seen to be struggling or they that they can't cope. Um, if we can sort of break that down and go, you know, it's it's part of the human experience to experience stress. Um, no one's perfect. Um, we're all going to experience it at different times in different ways. Let's be just more open mm-hmm. about it. Um, and, and then we can learn to perhaps reframe stress as well and go, okay, well, when we are feeling that, um, what are we doing to be accountable? Julian, are you, I know you liked cold water swimming or um, showers um, because, you know, there's evidence to sh- show that that can help manage stress or build your resilience towards stress. You know, check in with someone and go, okay, that's your well-being non-negotiable. That's your good coping strategy. Have you had a cold shower? Or Sarah, you like to get out in the morning and go for a walk before you start your day. Have you been outside? Uh, check in with people um, and and take a, a break. You know, give people permission to take time away from their desk to, and it doesn't need to be a lot of time. You know, we know that even just a minute of focused breathing can reset the the nervous system so there are lots of really powerful ways that we can complete that stress response cycle quickly um in the workplace i don't know have i answered your question you you have what what i really like you said that word well-being non-negotiable and and i i I think that 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 just struck a chord me and i thought that's really powerful where obviously and i guess this is where and I guess what we're talking about here is creating an environment where people basically feel psychologically safe. That that's what we're, we're creating here. Yeah. Um, we know sometimes good stress, as in the right stress, can be helpful to focus yeah. people to sales targets. We need all that sort of stuff. That that's okay, and it, it's when it goes beyond that, it's more chronic. Um, but it's the environment of you know psychological safety where we people feel they can contribute, they can learn, they can take risks, they can fail, they can challenge all that and share and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's to me the, the the crux of creating a place. But what I really liked is that sort of well-being non-negotiable and just t- talk me. I guess is that sort of thing you help organisations get to a place where they share that this is my helps me in my well-being yeah, talk about me just assuming tell me a bit more about that I, I really think that's i really like that and i like that the, the the reference where you said to asking somebody are you doing your well-being non-negotiable because it's, it's something they've shared and it's something that's quite a helpful challenge of accountability there so please share well, a bit more about absolutely. that absolutely yeah we love the term well-being non-negotiable but we also use the language have you completed your stress cycle today Sarah so you know they're kind of interchangeable but the idea with identifying your well-being non-negotiables is is 
is taking accountability because we do need to be accountable day to day. You know, it is our responsibility to keep on top of the everyday stresses of life because that's not going to change. Stress is always going to come in uh, into our lives. So what are those things? Um, Little things uh, that we're doing consistently day to day to help us complete the stress response cycle. And we call them well-being non-negotiables because, you know, much as there's many things at, in, at, at work that are non-negotiable, we have to do them. So too is our health and our well-being. So if we can bring that mindset to, to um, how we are accountable day to day to ourselves, um, then that's going to build our resilience to that stress day to day. So, yeah, um, we have an exercise where we get people to complete the sentence, I can cope with all that life throws at me so long as I. And um, we share, you know, some some guideposts, really. So some quick ways to complete the stress response cycle. The first is movement. And it doesn't have to be a 60 minute, you know, run. Um, It could be just, you know, some shoulder rolls or or a five minute walk around the block. Um, So movement is, is, is one. The breath, I've mentioned that, is another connection with others talking things out, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved. There's so much truth in that. And it is one of the most powerful ways, you know, connection is the opposite to loneliness. We know that loneliness is at epidemic levels. Um, And for some people, the workplace is the only place that they have that sense of of community and that sense of belonging. Um, But other ways, you know, you can, by creative expression so you know maybe you have you enjoy cooking or dancing or playing the guitar these are all ways to complete your stress response cycle laughing um crying um that's an interesting one when we think about the workplace because again there's so much stigma around crying and and there were a couple of occasions actually it's worth just saying in my career where the stress built and built and built and you know, my emotional snapping was was tears. And I, you know, would sit with bosses who were like, I don't know what to do here, um, you know, and be called emotional, which is not helpful. Um, but that was my emotional snapping because it was the final straw that broke the camel's back. So my non-negotiables, I, I mean, we ask people or invite people to come up with three, but I've sort of got four or five really that I try to do every day movement is this one um uh nutrition so I really think about what I'm putting in my body from uh, and how I eat as well and when I eat I'm you know experimenting with lots of things around that um getting out in daylight out in nature or daylight really um and sleep big one big one um, you know, I've really started to prioritize sleep. Um, and the, the fifth is around that connection piece. You know, how am I connecting and building my connections with Sean and Nikki, um, my co-founders, bless you, <laughs> and um, my connection with my, my friends and my family, you know, that's so important. Um, and we do ask people to be quite specific about their well-being non-negotiables so you know do you know how much sleep you need are you going to bed you know and getting up at a consistent time so 
Yes, by getting people to to reflect on their well-being non-negotiables, um, we then you know are suggesting people take accountability. And when life gets busy, we often de-prioritize those things that we know are actually going to support us. So we might need to be flexible and go, okay, well, I can't go for a 60-minute walk today, but I can go for a 20-minute walk. I'm still getting out, hmm. still getting the benefits. So it's taking accountability every day, little and often, being consistent. That's going to help us be more resilient to the everyday stresses of life. I like that because you've you've personalised it because I think there's lots of, obviously, advice out there, and we're sharing advice now, but you've done it in a way that's, what's what's best for you what helps de-stress you what helps you see the light of day all that sort of thing whatever it may be and and i think it's it's personalizing it that's what i think is really important here rather than saying here are 10 tips to beat burnout here are 10 tips whatever and that, they're all valid and i'm not saying they're not but actually because they're so out there we don't embrace them but if this is something i do you know i do yeah cold water swimming and it's a daily thing or cold shower every day now um, or I need to get outside, and so they're, they're, uh, but I personalised it, and I think that's the important thing here is to find strategies that work for you based on what you hear and see out there. Um, this I love this conversation, Sarah. Um, lots of insight. We could if we could talk more about this. I think it's a really important topic um, and helping uh, employees and employers uh, to get more well-being and sort of help with the whole sense of, of burnout. Um, if people want to connect with you, get in touch with you, what's the best way of doing that? Well, LinkedIn, really. Um, yes, I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm also on all the social channels. So Sarah Mayo, um, yeah, connect and um, look forward to having a conversation. Fantastic. Well, thank you for your time today, Sarah. Thank you, Julian. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you like this episode, then please rate, review and share it with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, I coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions and it will help you go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation. You can contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.